This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. phone problems yesterday well as soon as i got off the air i got an alert i had no phone problems but it could be that I, i'm just not answering the call and not answering the phone when anybody calls i now have and i'm going to spend some time on this this afternoon I, I made a list just of the people that have called me in the last four days i now have 28 phone calls to return today and all i'm thinking of is couldn't some of these people have whatever their issue is, whether it's social, whether it's uh, professional, whether it's political, couldn't some of them have texted? Couldn't some of them have emailed? Do we? I really need to spend, and I guess I do, an, an hour or two calling 28 <clears throat> people back. The best was this. You know, again, um, nothing against the people that leave me these, these, these messages. But a lawyer that I know a little bit, not well at all. A lawyer that I know, someone from his office called and says, okay, Mr. Morano, this is Donna so-and-so calling from so-and-so, so-and-so's office. Please give the office a call. Gives the number. Mr. So-and-so would like to make an appointment with you to speak about something today if possible. So give the office a call. Now, by the time I get this voice message... It's 6 o'clock at night because I'm nocturnal and the office is closed. So wouldn't it have behooved these folks at this particular office to either leave me a voice message, say, Mr. So-and-so wants to talk to you about X, or to send me an email and say, hey, by the way, Frank, I really need your opinion on blank. I mean, to me, this is the most logical thing in the world. All right. But anyway, I got a notification through one of the many apps that that I get or one of the many breaking news alerts that I get. I think it was the Citizen app saying that there was a massive phone outage primarily affecting AT&T customers and pretty much went to bed and didn't think about it. Well, I woke up and boy, oh boy, was there a massive phone outage. Some 75,000 people couldn't use their mobile phones yesterday morning due to widespread service outages on AT&T's network. The trouble began around 3 a.m. Eastern and peaked at around 8.30 in the morning, which is just great because it's just in time for morning commutes, child care handoffs, and <laughs> the beginning of the workday. Many users reported that their phones were in SOS mode, meaning they could only be used to place emergency calls for several hours. You know, by the way, one thing I did see reported is a whole bunch of police departments around the country had to ask people to stop calling 911 to test whether their phones were working. 
You can imagine how thrilled the Massachusetts State Police were to be getting all these 911 calls say, oh, I just wanted to make sure my phone was working and then I could call 911. No, let's keep 911 for emergencies only. Anyway, these outages stretched across most major cities, New York, L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, Miami, Houston, Washington. And apparently, as of yesterday afternoon, AT&T said that service was back. Down Detector, which is a tracking site, still did show a few outages as of yesterday afternoon. So then the big question is, what caused this? Because one of the things that we've seen is how vulnerable we are with all this stuff. And there's always been, first of all, now people are talking about the idea of the Russians shooting down an American satellite could very easily be a communication satellite, which could have untold implications. We've talked about the very real fear of an electromagnetic pulse event, either a naturally occurring EMP or a hostile actor detonating some sort of electromagnetic pulse that wipes out a lot of technology, a lot of electronics. But I think what was the most likely explanation is something that Dr. Sky warned us about three weeks ago on the show. And you got to listen to that Dr. Sky segment because so often the things that he ends up talking about are, first of all, they're all fascinating. Second of all, he's got a great voice. Third, they end up proving prophetic. Well, one of the things that he warned us about three weeks ago was a series of solar flares. He says we're in this big solar cycle where there's all this unusual activity from the sun that could cause all sorts of electronics problems, including problems with radio transmission, which is the one I always ask about. So yesterday he appeared on the Katz and Cosby radio show on WABC in New York and explained what he thinks caused the massive cell phone outage. Here was Dr. Sky, Steve Cates. Steve Cates, uh, uh, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, and he tells us what the heck is going up on the skies. Uh, Steve, uh, I understand there's been some giant uh, solar flares uh, that that uh, AT&T or people were saying knocked out our cell phones this morning, and now the FCC is investigating. What's your gut feeling? What the heck is going on? Well, John, thanks for having me on Cats and Cosby. As we say good evening to Rita, Governor, and Judge. You know, it's amazing. I'm sitting here in Arizona, John, watching the sun live right now with a solar telescope, peering into this amazing sunspot group. They call it Active Region 3590. And over the last 24 hours, it's blown out two massive X-flares. These are very powerful X-flares. But particularly, these flares are not necessarily those CMEs. They call them coronal mass ejections. They don't feel that those are really going to hit us right now. But with all this word, John, about what's gone on, sadly, with people all over the country with their cell phone issues, I can't say from the astronomy side that this is absolutely directed because of the sun. Now, this could be a cyber attack. Very sad if it is. But let's not take that sunspot group lightly because it hasn't moved to the very center of the sun. That happens in a couple of days. And this is a rather unusual sunspot, John. And, you know, we'll keep you posted on this. It's just incredible. But if it is directly related... It goes back to 1972 in August when we had a massive solar flare that actually knocked out many of our satellites temporarily. And even during the Vietnam War, when we had these mines in the Haiphong Harbor, the U.S. Navy mines were set off by a solar flare. 
So we can't take this very lightly, of course. Very interesting response, because he who predicted the solar flare difficulties three weeks ago, and we even talked about it a little bit on Wednesday as well, he didn't say, oh, this is almost certainly from a solar flare. He said it's possible, but if you heard what he said there, it was by no means definitive. I mean, not that his word is the definitive word on what causes cell phone outages, but he also brought up the possibility of a cyber attack, which I have to tell you was one of the things that first occurred to me. Here's Ravi Prakash, a professor of computer sciences at the University of Texas at Dallas. He had a theory of what he thought was causing these AT&T phone outages. Usually it is uh, some kind of a software bug that... uh goes undetected and if you haven't properly tested before release uh, it can have certain unforeseen outcomes. Typically you would push these kinds of patches late at night when there are very few customers online to provide minimum disruption. For some we do get notification when you are updating your phone but for the service provider they are under no obligation to inform us that they are updating their own network. I also made a call using my Microsoft Teams that UTD provides to my cell phone, which is the wireless service. That worked. So as I, that's why I'm saying maybe the core network was fine. So out of curiosity, I looked up Live360, find my phone. They were all showing my correct location and the correct location of my family. So I know that that service was working even though all of them were connected over Wi-Fi. And if that trust and identification doesn't work, then my phone is going to tell me that I can find a service. Basically, Ravi Prakash seems to think that the most likely culprit is a software glitch, some sort of software bug. What do you think? Obviously, none of us know, unless you do, then by all means tell us. What do you think caused this massive mobile phone outage yesterday? Because whenever you're talking about 75,000 people or more, being without cell phone communications for, you know, I, I tried to do a podcast interview with someone yesterday and the cell phone reception was a little iffy. I said, oh, if you're in your office, can we switch to your landline? She said, they just did away with all our landlines. We all have to use cell phones. Now, think about 75,000 people at just one company being without mobile phone communications for five hours. Potentially, it's a public safety hazard. Potentially, it's a national security threat. Potentially, it's a number of other things that I probably can't even foresee. I'll tell you what it certainly is. is It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient if you need to be able to reach someone and you were an AT&T customer for five hours. One, I'm curious if any of you were affected by this, 800-848-9222. I know we have a lot of AT&T listeners, AT&T customers that listen to the show because I can always tell when it's an AT&T customer when they call into the show and I can't hear them. If they, if I can't hear them, then I know they're AT&T. If I can hear them, then I say, okay, they're probably Verizon. But if you were affected by this, I'd be curious what you experienced. Uh, but two, I'd like to know what you think is responsible for this. Was it the sun? Was it a cyber attack? What is it, a software glitch? Was it something else? 800-848-9222. And let's say this wasn't the sun. If there was a CME, a coronal mass ejection, if there was an instance where the sun does cause a massive breakdown of communications, how do you think this country handled it? For five hours, seems like 
honestly, on the whole, we did okay. But what if it were to go for 24 hours and it affected every company? Do you think we're prepared for that as a country? I have my doubts, honestly. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, 800-848-9222. Meantime, another issue that we got into with Dr. Sky on Wednesday was the moon. And it was a big day for space exploration and lunar exploration yesterday, just about uh, just a few hours ago, actually, because the space company Intuitive Machines last night became the first business to land a a private spacecraft on the moon. This is huge. This is one giant leap for private sector space travel. And why this matters is because this could be the genesis of a lunar economy and the, you know, what could be a very profitable era of moon exploration for these companies. Intuitive Machines, Nova Sea Lunar Lander. We got into this with Dr. Sky, but on Wednesday, they call it Odysseus. It is the first fully robotic lander developed in the U.S., to touch down on the moon since 1968, when the Surveyor 7 spacecraft did it. The lander launched into space from Cape Canaveral aboard a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket last week and traveled over 621,000 miles before successfully entering lunar orbit two days ago. Odysseus captured its first image of the moon on Tuesday, when it was about 62,000 miles away. It also took a picture of the moon's uh, Belkovich K crater. And the spacecraft is carrying a host of NASA scientific experiments alongside other private payloads, including, you ready for this? I'm guessing you didn't hear about this. Artist Jeff Koons' 125 miniature stainless steel sculptures depicting the moon's phases. And the target, Odysseus's target, was the Malapert, the Malapert A crater within the southern highlands of the on the side of the moon that's visible from Earth. So these experiments are crucial for upcoming missions in NASA's Artemis program, which includes a manned lunar landing that is now scheduled for 2026. And through the experiments... NASA is going to collect data on Odysseus's movement and fuel use during its descent, as well as conditions in the moon's South Pole region. The region is home to craters with perpetually dark and extremely cold interiors, but warm rims that received almost continuous sunlight. So NASA's interested in these sort of craters because they could one day host vital support systems for humanity's first base on the moon. Dr. Sky commented on this to uh, John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby last night. I also have some breaking news uh, on my computer. Odysseus, the first attempt at a U.S. moon landing since 1972. Uh, the uh, uh, initiative, uh, see, the Odysseus lunar landing would be the yes. first. Has it landed yet? I don't know for sure, but we're hoping that this lunar, particular lunar craft is very difficult to land on the south pole of the moon. So we're hoping, and many people are praying, that this particular Nova Sea lander does score a direct landing and a soft landing 
it's going to land in an area where hopefully future astronauts go to that surface of the moon. But as I've said before on your show too, John, let's not rush this with the human landing because let's get it right. So we'll see what these privatized companies are doing. We wish them well. And obviously this may be happening right now in real time as you're reporting to us. Now, it's interesting because right the, 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 there were some problems with the lunar lander and it, there were some delays. And I got a very funny uh, message from my friend Sean, who I guess is a Biden supporter. He's certainly a Trump critic. So I guess de facto that makes him a Biden supporter. He said, oh, no, there's problems with the moon landing. Everyone's probably going to be uh, blame Biden for being old and woke. Of course, it's his fault, which I thought was actually very funny. But anyway, uh I got about 25 emails, text messages, and all sorts of other messages alerting me that William Shatner was on CNN right around the time that the moon landing was supposed to take place. He was on with Wolf Blitzer. I didn't get – I didn't see a lot of these text messages. I was in the middle of something, so I didn't see Shatner live, but I watched it. Afterwards, whenever Shatner's commenting on space travel, I try and check it out. And I know some people may think it's ridiculous. It's like asking Al Pacino to uh, comment on a racketeering case. It's not that ridiculous because Shatner's actually been to space and he spent a lot of his time researching space exploration, even though it might seem silly for an actor – best known for going to space on a TV show to be called on as an authority on going to the moon. It's not as silly when you consider he's actually been to space. So um, I was able to find not the whole clip of the segment, but I was able to find just Shatner's answers, which honestly I, I would rather see than the um, the interviewer who I think was Wolf Blitzer, nothing against him, ask him questions. I would rather just see the Shatner answer. So This is what Shatner was saying about the moon landing right before the lunar lander actually landed, right before Odysseus landed and the future, the near future was still very much uncertain. Shatner talked about the stakes here. Well, what we have in front of us is one of those exciting human moments where everything trembles in the balance. True life. This isn't reading what happened and you've got a historical point of view you have an immediate point of view. As I am speaking, there are human beings frantically attempting to correct a technological problem. No different than Broadway shows that I've been on. The audience is waiting there for the curtain to go up, and somebody, something, somewhere, something's gone wrong. Odysseus is odious, no question about it. Will us human beings be able to correct this mistake that's happening right now, it's a drama. It's incredible that we should be a party of it. We're minutes, seconds away from the luck of three legs landing. And certainly luck was on the side of the legs because it did work out. And this was indeed a historic moon landing. And uh, Shatner talked about the role that luck plays in something like this. Ah, that's the bigger question. I don't know what the question was. What are we doing out there? Are we going to go to Andromeda? What are we doing? The moon is a perfect place to land and build. But beyond that, where are we going? What are we doing? You can't transport tens of thousands, millions of people uh, to Mars. We're 
we're here. This is the place that needs to be corrected. Uh, yes, there there is technological expertise at work, but always the element of luck, whether it's a play that's opening on Broadway or whether it's a landing that's blind, but maybe, maybe we'll be able to do it. We're on the edge of a dramatic moment. Don't denigrate it by saying luck isn't a major portion. It's all of those uh, technological things and all of humanity. Right now, at this dramatic moment, will we land this uh, lander or not? It's going to happen as we speak. And very interesting and happen it did, thankfully. And uh, this was uh, Shatner's last word on the subject. I'm going to tell you it's going to work. I'm telling you it's going to work. This is the moment. Humanity is coming to the rescue. I promise you it's going to land. I'm a believer in happy endings. And he was right. It did indeed land. So if you want to comment on uh, either the moon landing, first private sector moon landing in history, or uh, the cell phone outage for AT&T customers, be my guest. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Al and Yonkers. Hi, Al. Hi. Good morning, Frank. Frank, you know, I think what happened this morning, I was watching. I usually don't get up that early, but I, I saw what happened with the uh, AT&T customers. And I personally think it was either a software glitch or uh, a bug within the system. Uh, You know, Dr. Sky, uh, he's from Arizona. He makes a lot of sense when he speaks about uh, different things going on in space. But I I think uh, the sun being involved, uh, I, I just don't think that's what occurred. Well, you might be right, right? I mean, you think about it. If the sun was involved, why would it only affect one company? Yes. Why wouldn't it also affect uh, Verizon customers? Uh, that's uh, that's a good point, and uh, seems to seems to make sense to me. Al, thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Josephs in Manhattan. Give me your thoughts. Good morning, Mike. Uh, good morning, Frank. Sure. Uh, I was a network engineer for thirty years, so let me tell you what uh, what really happens. The professor is right. We had one outage that, which wiped out multiple customers in South Africa, and it wasn't detected. The traffic uh, bandwidth uses wasn't detected, so it was down for two days. It was a design issue; someone made a mistake. Second one was uh, I made a little, I made a typo, and I wiped out uh, customers in three continents. You kidding? And, no, no, it's pretty bad, but no one died, so that was good. And uh, the third issue was, uh, as a network engineer, I worked for a satellite company five years, and solar flares were a real problem. Uh, uh, this goes back years before I knew Dr. Sky. The help desk used to monitor, uh, somehow used to monitor the solar flares, but we had problems all the time with solar flares. But, I, you know, I don't know how big those solar flares were back then. As far as being a software glitch, um, um, like never, you just did almost never. The only software glitches you get is really involving security. So, uh, Joseph, just help help me out then. When you say it was likely a network outage, for laymen like me, what does that mean exactly? Um, um, A network outage is 
these things called routers, and they're connected to each other. And if you take out the wrong router, then everything will go down. In this particular case, I would think it would be an authorization router. So everybody's going to have to authorize when they when they use their phone to see if the phone is legitimate. So wherever that router is that is connected to their authorization network, I would suspect that. I would suspect a design issue. Interesting. Hey, thank you. you. Know, go ahead. What were you going right, to say? All right, thank you. 800-848-9222. Bruce is in Belize. Hello, Bruce. Hey, Frank. Good to hear you, boys. Thanks. I thought the same thing you did, um, that it was a hack. And I also agree about AT&T. No doubt about that. And um, maybe like a trial run. And then with all this ransomware, I mean, if they can hack into... You know, hospitals and police departments. What they makes, hack into a cell what, phone company. What makes you think it was a hack, Bruce? I just have a feeling. I don't know. You okay. know, because there's so much of that stuff going on. I mean, I'm believing software glitches. These companies with all this technology now. I mean, even after 9-11, Verizon was the only cell phone. That's true. Was That's America, true. Because I was downtown. That is true. Hey, uh, Bruce, thank you. 800-848-9222. Paul in Manhattan, give me your thoughts. Um, do you know what happened on Tuesday related to uh, the largest, one of the largest hacking groups in the in the world? N- uh, fill me large, in. Fill me in. The large takedown of of various worldwide, uh, you know, cybersecurity things efforts, and they they took down one of the largest ransomware groups in the world. And I believe what happened to AT and T was just uh, retribution, saying you better leave us alone, or this is going to happen more often. So you think it was look, act? Look it up. It's Operation Kronos. C R O. NOS, you look it up, it's in the Washington Post and New York Times. That was on Tuesday, and look what happened on Wednesday. And uh, maybe it was a message not to mess with us. Very interesting, Paul. You know, I don't think that's crazy. I think the number of entities that have been hacked the last couple of years, I don't think that's offbeat. I could absolutely see that happening. I don't think that's crazy at all. All right. uh, We'll continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. That's uh, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I have been accused, wrongly so, of uh, stealing lunches from the communal refrigerator. And I say wrongly so because we have a very specific policy here, which is that your food must be labeled. And I have never, ever taken anyone's labeled food. Ever. Not ever. 
And, you know, and I know people may think that that's splitting hairs, but honestly, we happen to be very lucky to be in an environment where there's a lot of food frequently put out. People bring food. There's a lot of events here and they'll put out leftovers. There's pizza. There's Chinese food. There's different snacks people either bring in or they're leftovers from events. And it's really just understood that if it's in the kitchen and doesn't have a label, then it's up for grabs, right? There's no way to say, okay, well, this is okay, but that's not okay. No. I mean, if it's not labeled, then that's it. It's up for grabs. So I don't, I don't give, I don't think fondly of people that would actually steal someone else's labeled lunch. I think if it's some, if it's unlabeled in accordance with company procedures, that's one thing. But if it's labeled, then that's it. No questions asked. You can't touch. Well, a cleaner at a top London law firm is suing. Of course, a cleaner at a law firm would sue after she was axed for eating a tuna sandwich that she found left behind in a meeting room. Roll on Friday, which is a legal affairs news site, reported that the cleaner, Gabriela Rodriguez, was let go by this commercial cleaning service that employed her. Private contractor, Total Clean, just before Christmas in 2023. Nice, right before Christmas. Rodriguez is a single mother from Ecuador, and she was allegedly fired after the legal firm, Devonshire's solicitors, complained to the company that Rodriguez had eaten a tuna sandwich from British supermarket chain Tesco worth about $1.90. The sandwich in question had been left after a meeting at the 235 lawyer firm and was due to be thrown away. Spokesperson for the law firm told the New York Post that it did not make a formal complaint against Rodriguez, insisting that it did not ask for any action to be taken against her. Total, this is what the law firm is saying, Total Clean carried out their own investigation and the decision to dismiss Gabriella was taken without any input or influence from Devonshire's whatsoever. Devonshire has also said that it would not object, as we never have done, to Gabriella attending and working on our premises if Total Clean changes its position. So the law firm is saying they don't have a they don't have an issue. They don't have an issue with her at all. Rodriguez had reportedly worked for Devonshire's for two years before her firing. Total Clean, however alleged that Rodriguez committed theft by eating the scraps of the tuna sandwich. After the news that Rodriguez had been sacked, that's what they call it in the UK, after that news broke, United Voices of the World, union members um, that speak up for a lot of folks, they gathered outside this law office with 100 cans of tuna, 300 hand-wrapped sandwiches. By the way, am I the only one that could all of a sudden go for a tuna sandwich? Where can we get a tuna sandwich right about now? You know, in the kitchen, in the in the communal area, they have these make-your-own chicken salad sandwich things. They don't have any of the make-your-own tuna sandwiches. I, I could go for some tuna now. Maybe I'll do that for 
for lunch. Although, what is lunch for me? On a Friday, it's it's tough to tell. Anyway, all of a sudden, I can go for some tuna. So I'll, I'll check if there's any unlabeled in the refrigerator. So um, they showed up, this group, United Voices of the World, with 100 cans of tuna, 300 hand-wrapped sandwiches, heart-shaped balloons, and love letters addressed to Rodriguez, according to The Guardian. Though Rodriguez's supporters have also appealed her firing with Devonshire's directly, the law firm said that it showed no goodwill and refused to support Gabriella's case. Rodriguez herself has since protested the decision as well, The Guardian reported, claiming that she was fired for indirect race discrimination. Petros Elia, the general secretary of UVW, which represents a large number of cleaners in the UK, most of whom are migrant workers, told The Guardian, just because we clean their dirt does not mean they can treat us like dirt. Quote, cleaners are routinely dismissed on trivial and, we argue, discriminatory grounds like this every day around the country. Many describe feeling treated like the dirt they clean, and Gabrielle is one of them. We will raise our voices and unite to fight any employer, even big, powerful companies like Devonshire's solicitors. So the UVW has also alleged that if Rodriguez were not from Latin America with limited English, Devonshire's wouldn't have reached out to Total Clean to complain, ultimately leading to her dismissal. The New York Post um, that did an article on this, they sought comment from Total Clean and UVW, and at least at the time this article was published, they weren't able to get a quote from them. I have to tell you, I think even though this is not – well, I mean, look, th- I think this is this is a total overreaction on the part of Total Clean. This woman absolutely should not have been fired. This sandwich was going to be thrown out. It was left behind in a meeting – and was going to be thrown out, and she took it and ate it. If anything, I think she should be commended for not wasting food. I think it's ridiculous. I don't know if it was racial discrimination, but it seems like this this subcontractor, Total Clean, had some other agenda in firing her. And it seems like the law firm had some reason that they complained. I mean, what a thing to complain about. Hey, you know that tuna sandwich that somebody was going to throw out? Instead of throwing it out, they ate it. What a ridiculous complaint. For a $1.50 sandwich, this woman, a $1.90 sandwich, excuse me, this woman loses her job? This is absurd. And I, I don't know the British court system that well, but one of the defining characteristics of the civil system in the UK is if you lose the case, you pay the court costs. There's a loser pays system. So it's it's designed, and I think it works to some extent, it's designed to prevent frivolous lawsuits from being filed. So I'm sure this group, UVW, is the entity that has hired the lawyer. I don't know that they would have gone to the expense and trouble of hiring a lawyer to bring suit if they didn't think they had a good chance at winning this case. So I'm going to be very curious to see where this case goes. But aside from the legality of it, ethically and morally, these two companies, Total Clean and Devonshire's, are absolutely wrong. There's no way this woman should have been fired. And I think that, um, you know, while it's not exactly what I'm doing, I think she should absolutely not lose her job over this. I think she's totally 
getting a raw deal. What do you think? 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. you going to be watching this in case this happens to you? I, I, Somebody around here decides, <laughs> Morano took my sandwich. So what? I didn't label it. Doesn't say it doesn't say on the refrigerator it says it's gotta be labeled. It doesn't say free for all if it's not labeled. That's the that's the implication. That, see that's the, that's what you say is the implication. Uh, the, no, that's clear the implication. So you think that's, that's what the lawyers that's what your lawyer's gonna say? Uh, when they uh, represent you? Absolutely. In the great tuna sandwich debate uh, what, steel. Is, is there any tuna in there? I don't think so. I don't either. Um but um I will I think this is a um a big problem. And I, I'm standing with this woman. You know, we did another story like this recently. That was an instance of a guy that had uh, diabetes and needed, you know, needed some food or something. This is a little different because there's no indication that she suffers from some sort of a health issue. But this was going to be thrown away. Now, Matt, your hostility towards my insistence on following workplace rules notwithstanding, even you'd have to admit that this is a crazy situation. It's a crazy situation that that she got fired, I think, but she was wrong to eat the food because you're there to do a job. You're not there to eat the food. It's sort of like, and I was saying this to Tony, and you probably have gone this, gone through this also, being a videographer, is when you would go to a wedding in a venue, if there was a buffet, I would wait until the people out in charge, or whether it was the bride and groom, the wedding planner, whoever, said to me, hey... You could go grab something to eat. I would not just go up to the buffet and eat without them saying I'm allowed to eat. During cocktail hour, you mean? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think cocktail hour is, um, uh, I mean, I think it depends. I think you kind of work that out beforehand, right? So, um, sometimes, and I've gone to, oh, I did a lot of parties where they would even say to me, go grab something to eat right, right, right away. Me too. Yeah. Or even I, I wouldn't grab anything and they go, did you get something to eat? Because that's not on their mind that the DJ right, of course. is eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's and true. And then you had the places that, did you ever feel like slighted when you were at some venue and they were having the prime rib and the chicken and the fish and you got the videographer and the DJ and they go, we set you up in the other room and there's like these old well, turkey sandwiches. Well, that was the norm. And that's, chips. I mean, I found in most places, that's what they did. They didn't give you what the guests were eating. I, I would get it depending on where it was. De- it depends on where it was. Get, they'd ask me, what do you want? If it was a, if it was a nice, usually the, the, uh, the maitre d's that were there, whoever was running the place, they would take care of you. And they would say, hey, go grab, I'm going to grab you a dish. But a lot of times, I would say that was the worst during the, the meal. And you go into this back empty room and you're eating a tuna or it was always turkey with potato chips. And they're eating prime rib and fish and chicken <laughs> and having this great meal. The um, the best uh, the best food as a vendor that I ever experienced, I think, was probably Russo's on the Bay in Howard Beach, where they would serve you as a, a videographer or, or the band or whatever, whatever the guests were getting. So if the guests and for most nice places over there, if the guests had a choice of of six, you would then get the choice of six, which was crazy. I've never experienced anything uh, like that. That was the the creme de la creme. But, you know, you take what you can get, right? You're there to work, not not eat. But I think, uh, Tony, where are you on this woman being fired? I'm, I'm with Matt. You know, she, she's there to do her job. You know, she's a cleaning lady. Don't, don't go in the refrigerator and eat well, some food. But she didn't go in the refrigerator. It was left behind 
at a meeting and was going to be thrown out. Okay, okay. so it was on the table, it was on display? That's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing oh. it being left behind in a conference room. Okay, somewhere. now, if it was left behind in the conference room, go for it. Because you know, right. you're about to throw it away. Right. No, 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 no. It's yeah. not her place to eat the food. But it was, Unless but, someone said to her, you can eat the food. No one was there, but yeah, they were exactly, about to throw it out. Exactly. No, who's going who's gonna <laughs> to authorize this half-eaten sandwich to be consumed or thrown away? The, I mean, first of all, I don't even know. Maybe they have cameras or something. But there's nobody, there's no food monitor sitting there like Caesar with their thumb up in the air, giving a thumbs up or a thumbs down to throw it away or to, or to eat it. This woman... I'm not going to go so far as to say she's a hero, but she is eating for all of us that are trying to avoid food waste in the workplace. There's no, like, I'm not going to go to England and join one of the rallies for her, but if they have a rally for her in New York, I will be standing there with her. And hopefully they'll serve tuna sandwiches at this rally. I just got an SMS text message from, I think it's Donna from Huntington. Yes, I want a tuna sandwich badly right now. I'm starving. Yeah, there's something that, that about this story that does make you crave a $1.90 half-eaten tuna sandwich. Am I right? So uh, this woman should not be fired. I hope they give her her job back or give her some sort of uh, settlement here so that she you know doesn't suffer financially because some uptight jerk has made the decision to have her sacked because of this. Let me know what you think. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. Everybody get up. message from story story howard on facebook and you can find me on facebook at uh, facebook.com slash morano fan and he, he or she writes um about some a film that i mentioned and then asked me if i've seen another film but then he or she writes or they sorry if you're non-binary they write, I can't listen to your show all the time, but when I do, it's a real treat. Take care, Story. Now, Story, first of all, I appreciate your compliments about the program. But I would just ask, if you miss the show, listen to the podcast. The great thing about the era that we're living in, and there are so many crazy things to be said about the era that we're living in. People are walking around without landline telephones. People are walking around without pagers. I know I met someone recently that doesn't even have a fax machine. So there's a lot of things negatively to be said about the era that we're living in. But the great thing 
about the technological era that we're living in is you can listen to this show whenever you want to listen to it. Just search The Other Side of Midnight on any podcast app, hit the subscribe button, and you will get all four hours of this show delivered to your mobile phone or your iPod each and every day. Or if you don't have that, if you just have a computer, just go to go to redapplepodcastnetworks.com or redapplepodcastnetwork.com. Search The Other Side of Midnight comes right up. Same thing. Mike Frank comments on the Facebook. Frank I can't always listen to your show due to my work schedule. But when I can, I always do. I feel like I'm having a conversation with the most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. I don't always listen to your show, but when I do, I like it. Thank you for mixing it up, always having a wide range of topics and guests. You always keep it interesting. Mike, you should not be beholden to your work schedule to listen to this show. There's a reason the show is growing by leaps and bounds. By the way, speaking of the crazy times we're living in, I got a um, I got a message from one of my oldest friends in the world, Brian Silverstein, whose uh, birthday is about a month from now, around the same time as William Shatner. And he writes, definitely do not fire this lady. Wild times we're living in. Now, Matt Blaze wants her disciplined, probably wants to lo- her to get docked a few vacation days, maybe pay a fine. Tony and I, of course, not only have brains, but hearts. And Brian Silverstein clearly agrees with us. And, you know, I'm not used to seeing Brian Silverstein awake at this time. And I said, what are you doing awake? He says, driving home from AC. Now, I am immediately jealous whenever anybody is coming back from Atlantic City. Now, I'm not sure what I would do down there with, you know, with no money and having to do, you know, uh, my job and care for a two-year-old. But whenever I hear someone is coming back from Atlantic City, I'm immediately envious. And I was annoyed for a second because no one invited me. He said, yeah, it was a spur-of-the-moment trip for my buddy's birthday. And I probably don't know the buddy, but I still would have wanted to be invited. Now, I probably couldn't have gone in the middle of the week and everything, but it would have been nice. And uh, apparently they won. So congratulations to them on whatever game they were playing. Good for you. Um, hey, I want to talk about the assassination of Malcolm X. This is the 59th anniversary of the assassination of Malcolm X. And there are new questions about who's responsible for the assassination of uh, of Malcolm of Malcolm X as two men have come forward and they are pointing the finger at law enforcement. So yesterday was the 59th anniversary of this civil icon, uh, civil rights icon being shot to death as he prepared to speak in Washington Heights in New York City. It happened in front of some 400 people including nine count them nine police informants. It took place one week after Malcolm X's home in Queens had been firebombed, so it was clear that he was a target. And the assassination remains largely unsolved, but we're learning some new details in the case. Wednesday night, Malcolm Malcolm's daughter spoke of what happened that day. In 2021, two men were convicted, two men who were convicted in the murder were exonerated long after serving decades in prison. A third man, Talmadge Heyer, who was held by police after the shooting, confessed and always claimed four other men were his uh, accomplices. So Ben Crump, who's involved in this case now, civil rights attorney, says, and yet they let them walk away scot-free. On Wednesday, 
Crump introduced Khalil Sultarin Syed, who said he was on Malcolm X's security team, and he says he was falsely arrested by the NYPD five days before the assassination. Here he was talking on Democracy Now! to Amy Goodman. I would always have made myself available to serve as Malcolm X security had I not been wrong, wrongfully arrested. It was widely known that Malcolm X's life was frequently in danger and under constant threat. On or about February 16, 1965, five days before Malcolm X's assassination, I was detained and arrested by the New York City Police Department related to the Woods conspiracy. I was shocked to hear the New York Police Department accusing me of conspiracy to destroy the Statue of Liberty. I lost 18 months of my young life for a crime I did not commit. I was only 22 years old at the time of my arrest. I spent four years as a student at Howard University working towards a degree in electrical engineering. I was helping my father during, I was helping my father in his store during a gap year in my studies when I was arrested. As a result of my detention, I never graduated from Howard University. I believe I was detained in this conspiracy by the NYPD boss and FBI in order to ensure Malcolm X's planned assassination. Wow. So there's a lot of implications for both the NYPD and the FBI. I'm going to try and get one of these folks on the show to talk more about it next week. But this is pretty explosive. Your influence counts. Use it.